Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's splendid satirical saunter down memory lane to those thrilling days of yesteryear, Throwing Shade. Remember, if you love the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to Patreon at patreon.com EFCT and become a subscriber for shoutouts. Access to bloopers, exclusive interviews, sweet, sweet merchandise, and much more. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Throwing Shade. There is a darkness in the minds of men. A darkness in their hearts. A darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness? Shade knows by day, Theodore Rockwell is a go-getter reporter for the Chicago Gazette Times Herald, but by night he becomes the shade. Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, he, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden and fights the forces of evil. You know, I'll admit it. The new theme song kind of grows on you. Catch myself tapping my toes to it and everything. Kind of an earworm. Bet you hits the charts pretty high. Number one with a bullet, if I may be allowed a small pun. Seems like the most apropos time, actually. I would also like to point out that none of the people I brought along have done anything to ruin this operation. I heard shouting and what sounded like a struggle. What's going- Oh my goodness, those are guns! noise and thought, whoa, look at those rascals! Stay back, Carla. I'll protect you. 
Don't anybody lay a finger on my girlfriend. She's not, not your, your girlfriend. But I'm perfectly willing to let you protect me in this case. Is this part of the plan you were saying? I may have been a bit hasty in my judgmental reaction. Everyone keep calm. I have everything under control. Oh, really, Ian? Do ya? I believe you've lost control of the situation. And your accent. Oh, blimey, this is all your fault. Could someone explain what's going on? And why little Lord Fauntleroy... Flemish! Whatever. Why he started talking like a fishmonger? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do have a question. Just one? Should we still be keeping an eye out for the mysterious average man, or had we given that up? You know, you're a real funny guy, but you ain't the sharpest knife in the lamp. Right now, let's focus on the people with the weapons, Wally. This woman is not Mrs. Danvers. She's a Russian spy. Natasha Hadanov. Did she? Of what? You just can't help yourself, can you? Is true. I am agent of great state of Soviet Russia. The real Mrs. Danvers perished in house fire. One of the hazards of smoking in bed. I am surprised to see you here, Ian. After drubbing I gave you last time we met, I would think you would be pushing papers behind desk. Is anyone else here extremely confused by what's happening, or is it just me? I must admit, even I'm in the dark on this one. It's simple enough. Ian Flemish is not what he appears to be. Are you saying he's not impeccably well-dressed and well-groomed? Yet. Gesundheit! He is not top British agent. What? It's true. For years I was a janitor at the Secret Service, but deep down I always wanted to be a secret agent. So I studied and studied and finally convinced them to give me a chance. But while I was an agent, the posh snobs at the service never trusted me with anything important. That is, until Mallorca. You investigated killer whales? Mallorca's a place, Shade. For a masked crime fighter, he ain't too bright, is he? To be honest, I can't tell if he does it on purpose. I was supposed to investigate the disappearance of the British ambassador. It was all going according to plan until Natasha Hadanov came on the scene. She ruined everything. How? I was undercover at Casino as blackjack dealer. Ian came in and challenged the richest, most powerful man in city, man named Sidney Greensleeves, to a game. He never lost, so the plan was to beat him, unsettle him, and thereby cause him to let information slip in the heat of his rage. That seems... risky. The dealer was supposed to be one of our people, but she was replaced at the last minute by her. I was undercover as employee of Mr. Gleensleeves. Letting you wind would blow my cover. Although, even if I had helped you, you would have lost anyway. Your ability to do math is horrendous. I was wiped out in three hands and had to return to England in disgrace. I haven't had a decent assignment since. Boo-hoo. 
And yet, they sent you here to investigate these strange, awkward, and humiliating incidents targeting those with a left-leaning bent? Because they don't take it seriously. Since they think it's nothing, they didn't care if I came to look into it. But I know this is big, and I won't let her ruin it for me! You can't shoot! There are children present! You know we live in Chicago, right? Excuse me, can we all remember there's two people here with loaded weapons? Sorry, we usually work alone. I have only one question. Really? Only one? Why is a Russian spy pretending to be the proprietress of a boarding house in Oak Park? Unlike the British government, Soviet leaders recognized the problems as being severe, and we traced source to Chicago. I was sent to investigate. I ran boarding house because it's a good way to meet loners and outsiders. So you were keeping an eye on our mysterious average man as well. Duh. I have tried to get him to talk to kindly old Mrs. Danvers, but he is tight-lipped as oyster. Oysters have lips? How should I know? I'm eight! Can I make a crazy suggestion? What if we all work together? Work with her? Are you mad? She's Russian! She seems pretty still to me. <laughs> That's my girl! Not your girl. But I appreciate the appreciation of my joke. You may continue to adore me. Oh, I'm the luckiest guy. That's one word for it. While your suggestion that the enemy of my enemy is my friend has merit, I could never work with filthy American capitalist pigs. No offense. None taken. There is no one in this decadent, money-grubbing country I would trust. Not even two people who helped one of your ambassadors and his wife avoid a scandal? Who's that? Us, Jade. Remember Anya Stasia? Right, I thought it sounded familiar. <sighs> Wait, you are the Shade and the Vamp? The brave heroes who saved Ambassador Stasha's family jewels? You did what? Found her stolen diamonds. Oh yeah, diamonds, of course. Ah, yes, I see it now. Shade, all in black, and you, Vamp, you have kind of... Olga Baklanova look going on. Is that good? Your guess is as good as mine. Nice outfit. Thanks. It has pockets. Yes, I noticed the lack of pockets in your country. In Soviet Russia, pants pocket you. <gasps> what a country. Just one more way we will crush you. Well, this alliance is off to a great start. But the vamp is right. You performed great service to my country, and I will repay that debt. I will work with you. I don't trust her. And I don't trust you. But you are ally of Shade and Vamp. So for the time being, I will bury the head check. Hatchet. Ah, yes, please excuse me. I am still learning your spears of speech. From time being, I will hitch the head check. No, it... never mind. <clears throat> Very well. Bygones shall be bygones for now. But once this is over, the gloves come off. So, now that we're all one big happy family, what can you tell us about the mystery man, Natasha? Before Natasha could respond, 
through the front door walked the man in question. He took one look at the assembly and said, Hello. Goodbye. And ran back out the front door as fast as possible. Our heroes leapt into action. After him! Jump! Oof! Ow! Watch it! Hey! Unfortunately, they leapt directly into each other. This is why I always say, never work with animals or grown-ups. Act 3, Scene 2. You only split up once. Our heroes came up with a cunning plan. Or at least one that's an efficient use of manpower. Once our heroes picked themselves up and dusted themselves off, it was clear they needed to track down the mysterious stranger. To that end, the Shade had a brilliant idea. Come on, gang. We should split up. Some might call it blindingly obvious, but those people are not fans of this show. Wally, you should check out the stranger's room, see if there are any clues as to what he's up to. On it. Natasha, what name did he give you when he moved in? He said his name was Robert Marvin, but I assume that was an alias. Even so, it's a start. Spunky, you and the gang see what you can find out about Robert Marvin. But be careful, he is dangerous. What's he gonna do? Prank us? We're kids! Yeah, we got no sense of shame. We can tell. You can count on us, Mr. Shade, Miss Vamp. If there's one thing we're good at, it's snooping. Come on, everybody. LaVamp and I will see if we can pick up Robert Marvin's trail. What am I supposed to do? You and Natasha canvass the neighborhood to see if anyone knows anything about him. Are you out of your bloody mind? Me work with her. As loath as I am to agree with this excuse for a man about anything, he's right. Putting us together is counterproductive, no? Fine. Honestly, the actual children are easier to deal with. Ian, you come with me. Natasha, you go with Shade. Is there anything you can tell us about Marvin that might help us know where to look? As I said, he does not talk about himself much. But I did notice two things. First, he had tendency to bring back techy souvenirs. Many of them were nautical themed. That can mean only one thing. The Navy Field Pier. Museum. I mean, Navy Pier. Obviously, I meant Navy Pier. The other thing he let slip was that he enjoyed scatting. He liked getting shooed out of places? No, he enjoys scat. Who's scat? Usually a singer. He enjoyed a singer's cat? Exactly. Now we're getting somewhere. Which singer? Should we... It's best to just let it play itself out. What do you mean, which singer? Any singer. Jazz singers. So he enjoys any singer's cat? Nobody specific? All jazz singers cat. I had no idea cats were so popular with jazz singers. Cats 
Who was talking about cats? You did. You said he enjoyed singers' cats. No, is skit, as in what jazz singers do. Like that. Hmm. Must have gotten lost in the translation. If we're finished with uh, whatever that was, can we focus on figuring out where Robert Marvin might be? If he likes jazz, then the best place to look would be the Green Mount. Ah, yes, it's a very famous place of increased temperature. What? I think she means a hot spot. That is what I said. All right, Ian and I will go to the Green Mill. Shade, you and Natasha check out Navy Pier. We'll meet back at the Gazette Times Herald in an hour or so. Good thinking, Vamp. All right, Natasha, let's go! Why is he running up the stairs? Shade, you can't go out the window. The roofs are too far apart in the suburbs. Nonsense! I am the Shade. Defenestration is my middle name! Americans are so cruel to their children. I'm all right. I'm all right. We should take Wednesday's car back to the city, then split up there. All right, but we already decided to split up and said goodbye. Now it's all awkward. Curses! We're doing Marvin's work for him. I think we'll pull through. Come on. Our four allies leapt into Wednesday's car and headed off. At that moment, a lone figure descended the stairs of the boarding house. Shane! Vamp! I found a clue! I, I think I know where he he's going to be! Hello? Shade? Vamp? Kids? Scary Russian lady? Anybody? Ah, nerds. Act 3, Scene 3. Thunderball. The mayor finds out what Cannoli and Rosa are up to in their spare time. As Wally made his slow, long, laborious way back to the warm arms of urban life from the cold, stark, empty landscape of Oak Park, Chief Cannoli was updating Mayor Crane on his progress. Mayor Crane, I am here to update you on my progress. Good. I'm sure Editor-in-Chief Clemens will be interested to hear how close you are to discovering who is responsible for what happened to him. How is Mr. Clemens? The doctors say he's gonna be okay. Apparently, he refers to himself as a hard-headed newsman. He means it. The wall he hit never stood a chance. Yes, it was most unfortunate. Oh, I don't know about that, Mr. Mayor. Oh, and why is that? Well, do you know how I've been asking for a bigger office? Now I got one. 
Yes, quite the silver lining there. <laughs> now, Chief Cannoli, have you made any progress in discovering who's behind this malfeasance? No, but I haven't made some progress in figuring out who's behind these crimes. That's... As for the pheasants, I suggest you call it a game warden. Yes, of course. <laughs> Make note of that, Miss Honeysuckle. <laughs> really? Yes. Make a note reminding me to never use words with more than one syllable around Chief Cannoli. Why are you talking about funny cows? Funny cows? What are you talking about? You know, silly bulls. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Rosa. You should tell her that one in class tonight. Class? What class? Miss Honeysuckle and I are taking English classes at a well-prim school of music and literacy. You mean the one that's set up by Lawrence Welp and Esther Prim, the Squeezebox Bandits? That's the one. It's been helping us get better handle on the complete and utter lack of rules your language has. Not to mention understanding your figures of speech are much better. See, and puns. How... wonderful. Oh, it is. Miss Supreme has a very unique way of a teaching. She has us read something, and if we don't get it right, then she lets Mr. Welp music students come in and perform for us. Ay, bendito. How does that help? Believe me, Mr. Mayor, you only have to hear the accordion and bagpipe rendition of a sophisticated lady's wants before you truly motivated to learn. She is no lying. Mm -hmm. For me, it was Mini Damucher, played on a theremin. I had no idea what a theremin was before they played it. And now? I still don't, but I do know I don't want to hear it again. That's why the success rate is so high. Sounds like a valuable addition to the social structure of our fine city. And one I will highlight in my upcoming electoral debate with Eugene Gumper's Crookshank. Once he's out of fraction. Hmm, yes. Uh, send him a card. Uh, but back to the task at hand. What progress have you made, Cannoli? Well, since it seems the person responsible is in fact a grown-up, I pulled all of the officers off a stakeout duty at local playgrounds. Glad to hear it. I have instead put all of those officers to work staking out a local traveling circus. Well, that sounds... What? A traveling circus? That's right. All of these crimes is playing jokes on a people. Who is a bigger joker than a clown? And uh, these crimes is aimed against the society. And who is more against the society than people who ran away to join at a circus, huh? He has a point. He does. Don't you worry, Mr. Mayor. I'm uh, gonna have uh, this case wrapped up in uh, two snakes. <sighs> two shakes. Huh? The phrase is two shakes, not two snakes. That'll make no sense. Snakes is a fast, but it takes me a long time to get through one a shake, much less a two. They make them really thick over at the Woolworths lunch counter, let me tell you something, huh? Well, you are the resident expert on being thick. Thank you. <laughs> we better get going. We don't want to be late. Oh, yeah. I don't want to go through that again.
But if you're late, you have to sit through bagpipe tuning. And I can never tell when it's over. Adios, Mr. Mayor. Or as the kids say, Abyssinian. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Abyssinia. Abyssinia? Oh, I see. <laughs> I'll be seeing you. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> oh, dear heaven, it's catching. We'll return to throwing shade for shame in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, do you find yourself confused by colloquialisms? Are you desperate to determine just when to use I before E? Do you find yourself unable to read between the lines because you are unable to actually read the lines? Then worry no more, for the Wellprim School of Music and Literacy is your answer. If greater facility with language is what you seek, Look no further than the Wellprim School. A lifetime of working around books definitely qualifies our head instructor, Esther Prim, to teach the English language and general literacy. Anyone, any age or ability can succeed with the Wellprim method, which works on the most basic of motivations, fear. Fear of swift and merciless punishment for not advancing at the correct pace. But, as Esther says herself, quote, The rewards are definitely worth it, if you know what I mean, young fella. Unquote. So, head over to the Wellprim School of Music and Literacy and stop mangling the English language, or else... And now, back to our story. Act 4, Scene 1. Drink Another Day. Ian and the vamp visit the Green Mill and get some proof from an informant. About 40 proof, that is. The search for Robert Marvin continued across the city. The intrepid band of children did their best to ferret out information about the stranger. But it wasn't easy. Scram, kid. Ew, urchins. Go away, boy, you bother me. Though they did find one adult that paid attention to them. Why aren't you kids in school? Truant officer, run! The adults weren't faring much better. Ian Flemish and the vamp arrived at the Green Mill to find it sparsely populated. This seems rather sparsely populated for a jumping jazz haunt. You're right. By this time of night, the place should be packed. I'll look around. You talk to the bartender. Excellent idea. I'll chat her up and extract all the information we need, thanks to my impeccable good looks, fashion sense, and charm. There's only one flaw with your plan. Nonsense. I am impeccably well-dressed and well-groomed, am I not? You are that. And this accent is irresistible to American ladies, is it not? Gotta admit, it's the tops. 
Then what flaw could there possibly be in my plan? That's the bartender. What'll it be, Mac? Cobblimey, it's a man! Well spotted, super spy. You're enjoying this, aren't you? I must admit, just a little. Never let it be said that Ian Flemish shirked his duty. But I would like to go on record as saying that in England there would be an attractive young lady behind that bar. You Americans have ruined this country. I'll draft an apology to the king right after we solve this case. Now go. I've got covert snooping to do. What can I get you? Vodka martini. Bruised, not broken, and very dirty. Huh? Sorry, force of habit. I'm Flemish. Yeah, then you should have a shot of whiskey. Vermouth's no good for your throat. No, the name's Flemish. Ian Flemish. What was that? What was what? Yeah, never mind. Yeah, one bruise vodka McTeeny coming up. Here you go. Perfect. That'll be a buck and a quarter, Mac. Ian. Sorry. I'm Sonny. Sonny and Cher. Pleased to meet you. Place seems awfully empty. Not even a band. I thought this was a popular jazz club. It is. Or at least it used to be. See, a lot of bands won't play here anymore. No bands means no customers. Why would musicians refuse work during these uncertain economic times? There's this one customer. Comes in all the time. Loves the music, good temper, but he couldn't stop playing pranks on the band. For, you know, unplugging their microphones to hiding a cat in their bass. How did he... Don't ask. It's like he couldn't help himself. He'd pull pranks on the other customers, too. Pretty soon... People started staying away. He still comes in every so often, but nobody goes near him. I wouldn't touch him with a ten-foot pole. I've never met one over 5'10 myself. Do you know if he's here tonight? Yeah, I thought I saw him here earlier. He might have headed off toward the back. I appreciate it, Sonny. And you bruise a mean martini. My card. Call me any time. Why? Sorry, force of habit. half left. Okay. What happened, Mr... Foster. Brooks Foster. And you are? I'm the Vamp, masked vigilante in Scourge of the Chicago Underworld. 
the vamp, huh? No, no, don't see him myself. By the way, which one of the three of you should I be talking to? The one in the middle. Uh, appreciate it. Nice outfit. Thanks. It has pockets. Now that's useful. Say, you wouldn't happen to have a bottle or something in one of those pockets, would you? For strictly medic, doctory type purposes? No. No, I don't. Do you need a doctor? You seem to be in distress. Uh, have you know that I have never worn a dress in my life. I am, however, in a bit of pain. Why? That Robert Marvin fella. You saw him? Oh, yeah. He's in here all the time. And every time he comes in, he buys me a drink. Really decent of him. A lot of people wouldn't, on account of me being a tad intoxic... schnockered. Oh, I hadn't noticed. Sarcasm is not attractive, young lady, no matter how many of you there are. Sorry. Go on. Whenever he buys me a drink, he shakes my hand. And whenever he shakes my, my hand, he always also has a joy buzzer hidden in his. He zaps me and then runs off laughing. That's awful. But if he does it every time, why do you keep shaking his hand? Man buys you a drink, you shake his hand. Besides, at my age, it's about the most excitement I get. Which way did he go? He hightailed it toward the restroom. He usually hides in there for about ten minutes, then comes out to try it on some other poor unsuspecting ignoramus. Thank you, Brooks. Hope your hand feels better. Once I get this drink down me, I'll be right as rain. Now, where did I put my chair? <laughs> nope, not there. Let me help you up. No, 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 I'm fine down here. But if you could hand me my glass, I'd be ever so grateful. Don't you think you've had enough? It's like my dear old dad used to say. You're never too drunk if you can still lie on the floor without holding on. Cheers! Leaving the happily besotted gentleman to his own devices, the vamp made her way to the restrooms, where she was joined by Ian Flemish. I think Robert Marvin is back here. I know. He was seen running into the restroom. Let's go. Wait. What? You can't go in there. It's the gents. And? You're a lady. Glad to know that pockets haven't gotten in the way of tailoring. But so what? There might be a man in there. We know there's a man in there. The man we're trying to catch. Now come on. I'm sorry, but propriety demands you stay out here. It's just not decent. It's a one-person restroom, Ian. The only person in there is Robert Marvin. Now put away your prim English propriety and focus. Was that... Robert Marvin breaking the window and getting away? Oh, yeah. Come on! There's nothing wrong with propriety. What are we, savages? Ian! Coming! Act 4, Scene 2. The Man with the Golden Bun. Natasha and the Shade experience all that Navy Pier has to offer including local cuisine. 
while Ian Flemish and the Vamp were losing their quarry at the Green Mill. In my defense, British criminals are much more well-behaved. Less talking, more running. Over at Navy Pier, Natasha Hodanov was perplexed. I am Ludo Mivalia. I'm sorry, I thought you were Natasha. Please, Shade, could you put the hot dog down for a moment? You sure you don't want one? I have plenty extra. Yes, I know. But please be telling me why your country has turned a military installation into tourist destination. Americans like to look at boats. And there's really nowhere else downtown with enough room to build a Ferris wheel. That is other question I have. Why are we riding Ferrisville instead of looking for Robert Marvin? All part of my well-thought-out strategy, Natasha. A Ferris wheel gives us a perfect view of the entire pier. If Robert Marvin is here, we'll spot him. I must admit, that thinking has merit. And the hot dogs? They're really yummy. Try one! I do not know how you can eat these. They are abomination. For they have no ketchup. In Soviet Russia, even hot dogs are red. What a country. Before the shade could leap to the defense of Chicago's wieners, Natasha Hodanov lurched forward quickly, rocking the carriage wildly. I see him! Robert Marvin running along the pier! Ha! We've got him! See, I told you riding the Ferris wheel would come in handy. It's true. We've spotted him, just as you predicted. Only one question remains. What's that? How do we catch him down there while we are up here? Simple. We, um, we just, uh, hmm. I would have thought the windows would open. Huh. Well, keep an eye on him. I'm sure we'll get to the ground fairly quickly. Here, have a hot dog. The Ferris wheel spun slowly, stopping to let everyone between the ground and our heroes out first. Finally, the Shade and Natasha emerged from the carriage, with the Shade covered in condiments. A simple no would have sufficed. What is taking so long? Hurry up! It's not easy to run with celery salt in your shoes. They soon caught sight of Robert Marvin at the end of the pier. Why is he running in that direction? There's nowhere for him to go. Who cares? We have him. He cannot escape me. That sounds rather personal. It is. He owes me three weeks' rent. In Soviet Russia, landlord stiffs you. What a country. Robert Marvin reached the end of the pier. Just as it seemed our heroes had him cornered, a submarine surfaced. Robert Marvin jumped on board and ducked inside. And before our stunned heroes could act, the submarine disappeared beneath the gentle waves of Lake Michigan which is a completely scientifically accurate thing to have happen.
All right now, I protest. Why didn't someone tell me he had one of those... things? That's a bit unfair, don't you think? Where am I supposed to come up with a scratch for something like that? Just then, Ian Flemish and the Vamp showed up. Vamp, what are you doing here? We chased Robert Marvin from the Green Mill. Where is he? And why do you smell like silver salt and pickles? I'm not sure, but it has something to do with the fact that in Soviet Russia, the wieners roast you. Ah, now you understand! What a country! Robert Marvin just disappeared in a submarine. A submarine? How are we supposed to compete with a submarine? We're not made of money. That's what I said! I have a submarine at my disposal. After all, I am an agent for the greatest empire in the world. Foolish British lapdog. I have access to superior Soviet submarines that is far more advanced than English tin can. Oh, is that so? Da, is so. Oh, yeah? Da. Oh, yeah? Da. Enough! Are either of your submarines here at the moment? No. Then it doesn't really matter, does it? I, I guess, guess not. not. Then can we please focus on figuring out where he might be going? At that moment, running footsteps were heard. I know, I know. Even I'm impressed with my powers. The familiar figure staggered up to me. Am I glad I caught up to you? Wally, where have you been? I've found some clues in the boarding house and came looking for you. So a very long time, the Green Line was not moving quickly. That is because it is privately owned. Foolish to allow mass transportation to be operated by greedy, profit-driven single person. Government-run transportation lines are much more efficient. In Soviet Russia, trains track you! What a country! Um... Okay... Anyway... I also had to track you down because I had no idea where you'd gone. There you are! We miss anything? I've never stayed up this late before. It's so exciting. Speak for yourself. That truant officer scared me so much my hair stood on end and it ain't gone back down yet. Truant officer? But it's nighttime. That's what we tried to tell him. But then Arugula demanded he duel for my honor. It's the least a gentleman can do for his lady love. I'm not your lady love. So he didn't really care about details after that. There was just a lot of running and screaming. Luckily, I found them. And once I've told the truant officer they were my kids. Which was easier to do than you would have thought. The kids told me where you had gone to. Did you find Robert Marvin? We did, but then he disappeared in a submarine. A submarine? That's ridiculous! Who has a submarine waiting around? We Don't start! Never mind. You said you'd found a clue. Yes. I found a box of documents hidden in his room. Robert Marvin, worse for shame. Shame? According to what I found, it stands for Society of Highly Awkward Mass Ability. Ability? I don't write them, I just read them. And it appears Robert Marvin, which is not his real name, by the way, is there. This can't be right. This says he's something of a left lieutenant. 
must be a mistake. They must mean lieutenant. It's lieutenant. Lieutenant? No, lieutenant. So he's the lieutenant of shame? That's ridiculous! I think we're getting off track. Do these documents give any clue as to where he may be going? Yes. Shame is holding a massive rally tonight at the Chicago Theater. Keynote speaker, our friend Frank Fry. Oh, I love those with hamburgers. No! That's Robert Marvin's real name. I knew that. It's perfect. We can bring down entire organization all at once. But how? Don't worry. I have... Oh, no. ...a plan. Act 4, Scene 3. Clock the wussy. The action reaches its height. Less than half an hour later, inside the Chicago Theater, a capacity crowd had gathered to cheer on the global criminal organization, Shame. And in the middle of this pandemonium, up on stage, stepped Frank Fry, the Lieutenant of Shame. Thank you, thank you. Welcome, Agents of Shame. I am Frank Fry, the Lieutenant of Shame. You mean Lieutenant? Nah, it's Lieutenant. That's not actually a word. Lieutenant. It's the British pronunciation. Lieutenant. Silence. As I said, I am the Lieutenant of Shame, and I am pleased to report that our plans, both here and around the globe, are all progressing as expected. Very soon, those weak-willed fools who preach equality and fairness will be so embarrassed and humiliated, no one will take their namby-pamby ideas seriously. And we will... <laughs> um, as I said, we will... <laughs> Silence. Who is doing that? Away! Ha! 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 I didn't know we had a cat. Stand where you are, Fry. You cannot escape the shade. 
I'm relatively confident I can watch. Ow, my shin. You aren't going anywhere, Buster. I won't be stopped by a mere girl. How about that girl's boyfriend? Not my boyfriend. Huh. Or the vamp. Or his majesty's secret service. Or the great state of Soviet Russia. And your landlady, you betcha. And don't forget Wally Winchell. Who? Ow. The greatest knock-knock joke writer in the world. And don't forget the shade. Oh no, whatever will I do? I couldn't possibly escape from all of you, who happen to be severely outnumbered by the members of my global criminal organization. Get them! Our heroes turn to face the massive crowd, who immediately ran for the exit. Uh, I, I just wanted to play pranks. I was promised nobody would get hurt. Well, that I wouldn't get hurt. Well, looks like your plan failed, Fry. Come along quietly. What? Our allies turned back to see an empty stage and an open trapdoor where Fry had been standing. Curses, he got away. I'll be honest, I didn't see that one coming. I should have. Really? Why? Because in Soviet Russia, stage frights you for the country. Arugula? Yes, Carla? Promise me we won't be like them when we grow up. Act 4, Scene 4. Fry another day. Things are wrapped up like an omelet. News of the disbanding of shame in Chicago and the escape of Frank Fry spread like wildfire which made mildly concussed Editor-in-Chief Clarence Clemens very happy. I'm mildly concussed. Good job, Rockwell. Morning. This is the story of the decade. We're glad you're happy, Chief. Completely concussed. Are you sure you're all right, Mr. Clemens? You keep saying concussed when you mean happy. Nothing to worry about. It's just aphasia I'm going through. Well, we couldn't have gotten the story without the help of Wally Winchell helping the Shade and the Vamp. He really was invaluable. I know. I had to give him a longer column. Every day. I am very unconcussed about that. What about Ian Filmstrip and that Russian dame Natasha What's-Her-Name? Hadnov. Oh, so she gave up and went home, huh? No, Mr. Clemens. The mayor let them stay in the city and continue their investigation into Frank Fry. Why? He'd be long gone by now. I don't know, Chief. While their HQ was here in Chicago, it's still only one arm of shame. Who knows how many more arms there are? I have a feeling we haven't heard the last of Frank Fry. Well, if that's the case, what are you two doing here? Get out there and get me that story! Keep me concussed. Well, Miss Morning, shall we head out and save the city from malicious humiliation? Let's, Mr. Rockwell. After. After what? Breakfast. I haven't eaten since last night. I'm starving. Shall we get some eggs? Um, let's. <laughs>
What's that for? For shame, Theo. For shame. This has been Throwing Shade, sponsored by the Welcome School of Music and Literacy. The Shade and the Vamp will return next week in Caught in the Act. Here's a sneak listen to that thrilling episode. Let's go! Throwing Shade is brought to you by Chicago's premier storefront theater, Eclectic Full Contact Theater, reminding you to stay safe and stay home. And listen to every episode of Throwing Shade. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash EFCT and become a monthly subscriber for exclusive access to rehearsal videos, outtakes, photos, fancy shade merchandise, and more. Plans start as low as $3 a month, so support your favorite podcast for mere pennies during the pandemic. And don't forget about our other podcasts, all part of the Eclectic Podcast Network. Deep Shadows, Bloody Bay, Cluster Monocyte, and the Half Hour Audio Hour, our monthly audio drama anthology. There's something for everyone. Created by Sarah Siegel and Andrew Pond. Written by Andrew Pond and Kaylee Osterman. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Hull, Serena Johnston, Noelle Kleiss, Kaylee Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, Monica Safflick, and Julian Serna. Our Foley artist is Lori Iyer. Our engineer is Daniel Hull. And I'm your narrator, Noelle Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina Shalamani. Tune in next week. Same, 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 same time. Same, 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 same.